Well, Merry Christmas. We are just days away from Christmas, and I hope that you're getting maybe a little bit more excited about it. Um, some of you are like, I don't know, you just can't wait. The anticipation is killing you, right? Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to picture Christmas, okay? Just sort of picture it with me. Picture kids giggling and laughing and around the Christmas tree, opening up presents, surprised faces. Maybe picture if you have a fireplace, roaring and sort of warming up the room, laughter as people are just sharing their presents with each other and talking. There's, there's hugs going around. There's, there's thank yous. Children might be in their pajamas. I don't know. And then later on, the grandparents arrive if they've not already arrived. More family members show up. You have some hot cocoa, a cup of coffee maybe, some cookies, a smorgasbord of food as it is all being potlucked in, and maybe a turkey's been roasted, maybe some ham. And, and then the carolers stroll by just like a Hallmark movie. And you're hearing the songs of Christmas, and you're singing with them, and all is merry and bright. And you can't help but think to yourself, it's a wonderful life. Did that describe anybody's Christmas? Probably not. There's little portions of it, maybe. It was all real until the carolers came by, right? Yeah, that sort of blew it right there. But that's uh, sort of how Christmas sort of unfolds for us. We want it to be wonderful. We want it to be merry and bright. But the reality is, is that it isn't always so merry and bright. Sometimes a little dark. Sometimes it's a little frustrating. It can be lonely, right? So I was thinking about, uh, if you remember Forrest Gump, and his little saying about life is like a box of chocolates. I was thinking life is like a box of candy canes. Some of them are broken, aren't they? And then I thought, well, life isn't just like a box of candy canes. Life is like a one of those high remote control type toys. It just lights up. It like grabs your eyes. It's one of those fist pumping, yeah, I got toys. And then you realize battery's not included, right? And it's like, oh, that stinks. Isn't life like that sometimes? We're so excited about stuff and it ends up not being what we wanted. And at Christmas, it can sort of be that way. We're all excited about that. It's like, well, this wasn't exactly what I pictured. It can happen that way sometimes. But Christmas, we celebrate the truth that God didn't send his son to give us all the fun toys. God didn't send his son to make us happy or comfortable. God did not send his son into the world to do any of those things with the giggles and the gifts. But we do know this. God sent his one and only son into this world to fix our broken relationships with him. To reconcile what's been at war and to bring peace to it. God sent his one and only son into this world to give us love and to give us hope and to give us joy and to give us peace. God sent his one and only son to give us an eternal joy and a gift that is very indescribable at times. God promised a long time ago uh, a coming king who would be born in the city of Bethlehem. And that coming king was going to give us a lot to celebrate about. To restore, as I said, that peace. To give us that joy and that hope and that love. And we need that this Christmas season, don't we? Anybody use a little bit of extra love and peace and joy in their life right now? Probably. 
You know, I was thinking about how the kids, and I put this up a little too early, how kids love to visit Santa. And uh, they love to share their requests. They want to sit on his lap and say, Santa, I want this for Christmas. And I remember as a kid, I didn't get to go visit Santa, but I created my list, got out the old J.C. Penny catalog, started going through it, trying to figure out what if I couldn't think in my mind what else there was. And some of these kids are like, what's a J.C. Penny catalog? <laughs> Google it, okay? So I'm going through my list. I know everybody's got a list, right? So I thought, well, what if, what if we sort of change this scenario a little bit? So I sent out a last-minute survey yesterday morning. I thought, whoever answers, answers. This is great. It's completely anonymous. If you jumped on that email and you filled out the survey, it was just one question. That was it. Uh, and it came in. And I wasn't getting any notifications like, oh, nobody's filling it out. So last night, I'm thinking, oh, well. So then I went and checked. And I've got four pages of your responses. I just never got a notification telling me that one actually came in. Uh, dozens, like close to 80 of them came in. And it was pretty amazing. And here's my question. If you didn't read the email and didn't see it, like I said, it was a last minute thing. I was just curious. My thought was this. What if you sat down with God and he asked you, what do you want for Christmas? And so I sort of pictured Jesus with all the children around him, just like we did Santa with all the children, but I got Jesus with all the children around him. And these kids are just coming up to Jesus, just asking him questions and things. So I thought, well, what if, what if we were to be in the presence of God? And he says, what do you want this Christmas? And you all answered. And four pages worth of answers. I, I will have to uh, admit to you, I was very humbled and somewhat saddened by some of the requests. Because I'll tell you why I was somewhat sad. And because I know it just like you know. You come in Sunday morning. Hey, how you doing? Great, great. Oh, yeah, good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, good. But inside, inside each and every one of us, there's some pain. There's some hurts and there's some requests. We do such a good job of covering that up, don't we? But if we really sat down as believers in Christ and said, hey, how can I pray for you? And we opened up and shared those prayer requests. And you opened up and shared your request with me. And, and like one of the number one responses was um, just love, peace, kindness. We're living in a world that's pretty broken right now. And people are really mean. If we could just love each other more. A lot, a lot of it was that. And right behind that was cancer, pain, healing, cure for this. A lot of sickness, a lot of hurt going on. Right behind that was people are saying, I'm just praying for the salvation of a family member. Praying that somebody comes to know the Lord. Some, some of you say, I'm just praying for the Lord's return. <laughs> I'm ready, you know. And then there was a few that, that were praying, saying, hey, um, victory over sin. I'm struggling. So I was, I was amazed by all your prayer requests. And I'm sitting there. You shared those with me. Thank you for sharing them with me. And um, again, I don't know whose was whose. I can maybe guess at a couple, but here's the thing God knows too. Those, those prayer requests you shared with me, God knows. And he's heard your prayers. And, and amidst all those requests and the, and the pains and the hurts and the disappointments uh, that you are sharing with me, God says, hey, amidst all that, I'm, I'm giving you peace. for the, I'm giving you some hope for those hopelessness feelings that you're feeling right now. And, and for those that the suffering that's going on, I've got some joy for you and, and, and I got some love for you. And, and the amazing thing is, is that God is going to answer your prayers and he has been answering your prayers and he actually answered your prayer 2,000 years ago. 
2,000 years ago, when God came in the flesh, he entered this dark world to rescue us from that brokenness, that fear, that sorrow, and that angst. And Let me put it like this. See, we're sort of like a Christmas tree. I don't know how many of you actually have live trees in your house or how many of you have artificial trees. I don't know. But when I was a kid growing up, um, my dad would always take some of us boys and we'd go out and we'd cut a tree down out in this, some tree farm in Indiana. And, um, and when I got to the age to go, I was so excited because, you know, we were out there in the snow and we're cutting down the tree with an actual saw and, and um, bringing it home. And then later in life, got older and all of a sudden we got an artificial tree and I just missed the smell of the pine and... And um, so last couple of years, we went back to going out and getting our own tree again, going out and picking it out and cutting it down and bringing it back. And, and, and it looks great, right? You put in the tree stand and put some water in there and, and then you decorate it and it looks beautiful. And we are a lot like Christmas trees. We like to get dressed up. We like to look good. We like it when people talk about us like, ooh, they look good, you know, and then they sing about us like, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. We like to be sung about. We like to be looked at. We like to be liked, Right. And we're like that Christmas tree, but over time, we have to remember this about the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree's been what? It's been cut off. It's been separated from its roots that go down into the ground to provide its nutrients and the nourishment that it needs to grow strong. It's been cut off. It's been severed. And it's now in a stand trying to lap up some water from the tree stand, but it's eventually going to die. It is dying. And its color will change in the needles will fall off. We're a lot like that tree because we were created to be in a relationship with God, but we've been severed from that relationship. We've been cut off from God. And because we've been separated from God, it's we're like that tree. The roots that we need are gone. And we are eventually going to end up dead like that tree. There's a verse, we'll eventually get this when we go back into the book of John here soon. But in John chapter 15, I'm going to start in verse 4. Verse 5 is on the screen. It says, Remain in me, this is Jesus speaking, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So verse 5 on the screen says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Apart from me, you're nothing, you're dying. You might as well just be tossed in the fire. Remain in me. And we are like that Christmas tree. We've been severed apart from God and we're dying. Spiritually, we're, we're dying. Our relationship was severed. In, in Romans 3.23 says... All of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been severed and cut off. Not one of us in here has that perfect life going for them. We might try to make others think we do, but we, we just don't. We've been separated from God, so we are spiritually dying. Romans 6.23 says, there's, there's a result for this. It says, the wages of sin is death. The result, the, the payment for our sins, spiritual death. So when we cut ourselves off from God, basically we're going in a different direction. And when we go in a different direction from God, we're going our own way. And when we go our own way, there is a consequence. And the result is spiritual death. Church, this is why we need a Savior. 
This is why 2,000 years ago, God said, I got a plan. I'm going to come in the flesh as Jesus Christ to help people reconnect with me. And connect with me so that your roots may grow down deep spiritually once again. The first Christmas didn't contain, sorry, hot cocoa and presents and a fireplace and a bunch of carolers. It was a dark night. It was an uncomfortable night. Nothing but a cave-like stable. Strangers and a newborn. That was the first Christmas. And in the book of Matthew, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 1, you can turn there. I'm going to be putting the scriptures up on the screen today for you. But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord, this is Joseph, appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you ought to name him. Help me, church. You're to name him what? Jesus. For he will save people from their sins. So the baby is given a name. We know it, right? Joseph didn't know, but the angel said, hey, ahead of time, I'm going to tell you right now. When that baby's born, call him Joseph. That's going to be his name. All right. But Joseph wasn't the only one informed of what the name would be. If we read in the book of Luke, chapter 1, starting in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the village of Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, the one we just talked about, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and very disturbed as would anybody who just face-to-face with an angel, right? She tried to think what the angel could mean. Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him what, church? Jesus. So we're on the same page here. Good. The angel told Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus. The angel told Mary, you're going to name him Jesus. So when they get together, like, hey, guess what? We're going to name this baby Jesus. How'd you know? An angel told me. An angel told me too. Okay, we got the name down, right? But when we turn to the next chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 2, we don't find a name for the baby. See, the angels then didn't go to, they went to the shepherds, but they went to the shepherds and say, and we're not giving you a name. We're going to give you something different than the name. The angelic host came and they proclaimed that the baby was arriving and that they should go see this baby, but they didn't give a name. Instead, they gave a title. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 2 says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, here's the title, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So Mary and Joseph had this down. We're going to name him Jesus, Jesus. And they go to the shepherds. Hey, what's his name? You'll find out later. The name doesn't matter right now. The title does. The title does. Three titles. And they proclaim that he is going to be Savior He's going to be Christ, and he's going to be Lord. We need those titles. Going back to what I was talking about at the very beginning of the sermon, we, we need those titles. Because remember, we're separated from God. We've been cut off like a Christmas tree. We are spiritually dying. We need somebody to rescue us. We need somebody to graft us back into the roots and, into the, and grow again, but it's like we're cut off. So we need a Savior. Luke, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 4 Verse 14 says this, Furthermore, we've seen with our own eyes and now testify the Father sent his Son to be what? 
Savior of the world. John chapter 4, verse 42, this is the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. She meets Jesus. She can't believe who he is. She goes into the city, tells the people in the city. The people all come back out to meet Jesus. They meet Jesus, and this is what they say in verse 42. They said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed what? The Savior of the world. Now let's remember, the angel said, I've got a title for this baby. He is a Savior. And then we start going through Scripture, and everybody's saying, He's the Savior. He is a Savior. That's a title. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9-11, not part of the Christmas story, but you are going to hear the Christmas story through this scripture. Listen carefully. Verse 9 says, For God saved us, and he called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, because a lot of us think we deserve it, right? But because that was his plan from the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. Now up on the screen, verse 10 says, And now he has made all this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our what? Savior. Yeah. He broke the power of death and he illuminated the way of life and immortality through the good news. Remember what the angel said? We have good news of great joy. Here's our good news, right? Verse 11. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news, Paul said. I've got good news. Through the grace of God, we don't deserve it. He gives us new life. He is rescuing us. He is saving us. He is our Savior. We need a Savior. We need somebody to rescue us. We make a lot of mistakes, don't we? We mess up. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. And we're like, oh, I'm in trouble. And God's like, I'll rescue you again. I'll save you again out of this one. Because we're told that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, that second part of that verse, says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh yeah, the consequences are rough, but the gift is awesome. The gift is Jesus Christ. John 3.16, right? God so loved this world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an incredible gift. That is such good news. And here's the thing. When you receive that gift, when you say, I believe that, when you receive that gift, you get the good news, there's joy. There, there's, there's something different in us. And it's an amazing thing. Now, I don't know how many of you have already had a gift exchange or you're planning on doing a gift exchange here in the next couple of days. But... You all understand what a gift exchange is. I'm going to give you a gift and we give a gift, right? But here's the thing. How many of you always try to outdo that other person? Don't raise your hands, okay? Because secretly you're thinking, I wonder what they're getting me. I probably should get them something better, right? And so you're always trying to think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and then it's like, oh, look what you got me. And in the back of my mind thinking, what I got them is horrible. So we're like, oh, well, I got half of your gift. The other half is coming because we, we don't want to be... A, outdone by them, right? Or we're, we just like, all right, we're putting a limit on this. $20, $20 limit, that's it. All right, gift exchange for $20. What do we do? Black Friday, we go shopping for like a $200 gift that's marked down to 20 bucks because then we're giving them a $200 gift and we're like, I still outdid them, right? It's like that gift, whole gift exchange thing, it's like, ah, oh, it's so hard. We need to just what? Freely give and freely receive and just like stop comparing, right? Just think like, hey, thank you so much. Thank you, here you go. Thank you, right? But let me tell you about a gift exchange that we just can't outdo. This gift exchange right here that we're talking about right now. 
The incredible gift that God gives us, his son, Jesus Christ. When we receive that gift, that gift of righteousness, we are now, if I believe it and I receive it, I am now right with God. Wow. God and I are no longer at war. There's peace between us and God. Because that gift, I received that gift from God. Like, thanks. What do I give back to God? God's like, give me your sins. And give me your life. You're like, you want my sins? You know how messy I am, right? And I'm not a good listener. I tend to do things on my own, right? And God's like, let's make the exchange. I'm going to give you my own son. I'm going to give you eternal life. You're going to be right with me. Just give me your life. I'm telling you, we, we cannot outdo what God has given us. We give him our mess, don't we? And we give him our life. The only way we can do that is because he is our Savior. He is our Savior. The second title that um, we read here that the angels give is, he's not only our Savior, he is Christ. Christ. Christ means Messiah. It means anointed one. But you see, not everybody believes that. The Jews called him rabbi. The Mormons actually uh, called him a spiritual brother to Lucifer. Muslims call him a great prophet. Atheists call him a lunatic and a liar. But the Bible says he is Christ. He's the anointed one. Nobody else like him. He is the Messiah, the one who comes to save. He's the only one who can fill that hole in our heart. We talked about last week. Relationships, money, possessions, um, a job, a title, sports. You find anything that you spend a lot of time with thinking this will make me happy, it won't. It won't fill that hole in your heart that only God can fill. That's because he's the Messiah. He is Christ. Christ can only fill that, that hole. The third title is Lord. He is called Lord. Lord basically means this. He's Lord over everything. Over all creation. In Philippians Chapter 2, there's a scripture that you may or may not have heard before, but it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, church, when Jesus was first born, the shepherds came and they probably got on bended knee to worship baby Jesus. And then a time later, after Mary and Joseph have moved on and it's months later and they're in the house and the wise men come, they get on bended knee and they give treasure, Right? This is the way people worship Jesus. Read through the New Testament. Every time somebody came to Jesus, they got on their knees before Jesus. The ten lepers, the one who said thank you, came back and got down on his knees before Jesus. Someday, you and I and everyone in this world will bow before Jesus. Someday, when Christ returns again, every knee will bow before Jesus and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. For those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we will probably humbly put our heads down and get down on our knees and realize our Savior has returned. Our Christ has returned. Our Lord, who is Lord over all, has returned. I am on bended knee. And for those of us that will not believe in that, you will have your knees broken and bent before him because all sinners will be confessing that he is the Lord and it will be too late for you. But every knee will bow. It's there. Because he is Lord. Until then, we have a choice. Right now, we get to choose whether we want to bend our knees to Jesus or not and make him the Lord. A lot of us think we're Lord, that we're in charge. We're not. Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is 
Lord, we will be saved. We will be saved. Paul says you will be saved. We're going to be, we're going to be saved, first of all, from sin. Okay? And we're saved from the things that go on around us in this world. There's a lot of circumstances that come our way. And here's the incredible thing. When Jesus says he is Lord, that means he's the authority, he is the power, he is the influence over all things in your life right now. Whatever it is, he's Lord over it. You got cancer in your life, he's Lord over that cancer in your life. You got a disappointment going on in your life, he is Lord over that disappointment in your life right now. You, are you hurting over something? Or he is Lord over those hurts and pains. Whatever it is, he is Lord over that situation. We know that in this world, we're going to have trouble, aren't we? We're going to have pains. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's, it's sort of like this. If you're going to the pool, you're going to get wet. Okay? Now, there are some of you who have this incredible belief, especially if you've got kids and you've got a pool at your house, and you're like, I'm just going to get on the raft and float on the water and get my son and just enjoy it. And I am not getting wet. Kids, don't get me wet. Right? And as I'm sitting there going, you know you are in a pool. And there will be one child that will inevitably know how to do a thing called cannonball. And they will jump in and splash. And if it's not a kid, it's that lovely husband of yours that's like, he's just, he's just thinking... <laughs> She's going to hate me. But I can't help myself. And the next thing is splash. And water goes everywhere, right? And it's like, I was trying to keep from getting wet. And it's like, you're in the middle of a pool. You are going to get wet. Church, listen to me. We're in this world. You will have difficulty. You might think you are floating around. It's like, you could be, I, I, you know what? If I go to a monastery or I'm in a pastor of a church or I join a Christian ministry, I'll be floating on this little pool in the world and, and nobody will, nobody's sin will not splash on me. I'm sorry, I don't care who you are. People cannonball around me all the time. The devil loves just like throwing big rocks in right next to me and splashing me. And it's like, just because you are a believer in Christ doesn't mean you're going to get splashed by the devil. We are in this world. We will have troubles. We will face circumstances. But church, listen to me very carefully. Jesus is Lord over all of that. Whatever it is that you've been splashed with recently, he is Lord over that. And he will make it right one day. It may not feel right right now, but one day he will make it right. He has overcome this world. He is Lord. He sees it. He knows it. He will take care of it. Period. And God just says, here's what I want. This is Christmas. I just want you to receive my love. I want you to receive. See, my son that I'm giving you, he is your savior. He is your Christ. He is your Lord. All I'm saying is, will you receive my gift? Will you take it? Because I love you. I want you to have it. So what do we do with that, church? I don't know if you've heard this story before. Paul Harvey shares it. It's probably been circulated around before in various stories. Other people maybe preached it or you've written a book. Uh, but it's called The Man and the Birds. And it's basically about this gentleman who um, is, is a nice man, a very decent man, a very good man, generous to his family. One of those kind of guys like, man, I love hanging around with guys like this, right? Upright and everything that he did and dealing with other people, very honest, right? 
But he just didn't believe in all that stuff like that I've just been talking about up here, about proclaiming that God would send his son in the flesh just at Christmas time. It just didn't make too much sense for him. Um, so he just sort of couldn't swallow the whole Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. It's just hard for him to swallow. So on Christmas Eve, his wife and kids were going to go to the church for a Christmas Eve service. And he said, you know, I'm not going to go with you all to the Christmas Eve service. Um, I sort of feel like a hypocrite because I really don't believe that. I don't believe God would send his son. I don't get that. So I'm just going to stay at home and I'll wait up for you. So when you guys get home, you can tell me all about it. So his wife and kids packed up the automobile and they took off down the road. And as they drove down the road, he sort of looked out and he saw the snow started to fall. And then the snow started to fall a lot heavier and the wind picked up. And realizing that this, this heavy snow was, was coming down, he thought, wow, it's, uh, it's getting a little brutal out there. And so he went into the other room by the fireplace and pulled out the newspaper and started reading. And as he's sitting by the newspaper reading, he hears a thud. And then a few seconds later... Another thud and a couple more thuds. He's thinking, what is going on? He heard it in his living room. So he got up out of his chair and looked out this big picture window. And he, the bird hit the window. And he's like, what? So he investigated a little bit more. He went outside the house and looked out in the front yard in front of the living room window. And there's just a big flock of birds on the ground just sort of fluttering around. And, and in the heavy snow, they were just trying to find some kind of shelter. And they were thinking, they saw that picture window, that maybe that was a way to go in, but they just kept banging into that window. And so he sort of thought to himself, like, if I could just do something maybe uh, to help these birds out, um, I, I don't want to see them out here fluttering around and freezing. And then he remembered, well, our barn, you know, that's where our kids have their pony. And so maybe I'll just go out to the barn, open up the barn doors, turn the light on. Uh, maybe the birds will go in there and they'll get warm and they, they'll survive. And so... He put on his coat, got on his boots, went out to the barn, opened up the doors, turned on the lights, but the birds didn't fly in. I thought, well, how am I going to get these birds to fly in? I know. Oh, I'll entice them with some food. So he went back in the house, got some bread, made a trail of breadcrumbs from the other birds all the way to the barn. Didn't work. Couldn't entice them to come in by following those breadcrumbs. And so he thought, I'll try to catch them or I'll try to shoot them. So he went out and he tried to catch them and shoot them. And, and all he did was just sort of scatter and fly around and sort of land in the snow around them. And he just couldn't get them to go the direction he wanted them to go. And then he realized, he goes, you know what? They're afraid of me. To them, I'm just some strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me. That I'm not trying to hurt them, but I'm trying to help them. But how can I do this? Because everything he did, all, everything he attempted to do just frightened them and confused them. They didn't want to follow him. And they would not be led or shooed because they feared him. He thought, if only I could become a bird. And then I could mingle with them. And I could speak their language. And then I could tell them, hey, don't be afraid of me. And hey, don't be afraid of what's going on around here right now. And, and then I could show them to the barn where it's safe and where it's warm. And, and they wouldn't be so fearful. But if I could just become one of them, then they could see and they could hear and they could understand. And right as he was thinking that, the church bells rang in the distance. And it hit him. 
he sank his knees into the snow and he realized God loved him so much that he became flesh as Jesus to show him, to tell him, to rescue him, just like he was trying to do with the birds. That's the message of Christmas, church. God loves you so much, he became one of us to tell you he wants to save you. He wants to be your Christ. He wants to be your Lord. He loves you so much. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing God we have. John 1, 12 says that, but to all who believe him and accept him, he became the right to be called children of God. Church, I want to encourage you, if you have never received God's love, receive it today. It's a beautiful gift. He is the Savior of the world. He is Christ. He is Lord. It's as simple as just admitting your sins. God, I messed up. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I believe you are Lord. Come into my life. I place my faith in you. And I surrender my life to you. I'll take this gift exchange, God. I'll do it. If you've never prayed any kind of prayer, never place your faith in him, I encourage you, do that today. Receive his gift. That's what Christmas is all about. And then here's what I want to challenge you with, because many of you in here have already received that gift, um, and, and you've already received God's love, and you know what it means to be a Christian, okay? And the beautiful thing is, is when you place your faith in him, he gives you his spirit. God, who is love, became love, enters us. We have the love of God in us. So I want to encourage you today. Regift. Okay? Regift. Take that card that I no no, that's fine. Take the love that God's given you. Now start sharing that with other people. Start giving it away. And here's the thing. Some of us are blessed with the opportunity to maybe um, financially bless other people. Maybe you are a great cook and you can bake something or cook something for somebody. Maybe you are a great uh, in some kind of art and creating things and you're able to bless people. You all differently are able to bless people, okay? But I'm going to share one simple way that you can bless somebody that everybody in here can participate in, okay? And it's really simple. I started reading this book um, by Max Lucado. It's, I can't remember the title of it, but I think Happiness is a Choice or something like that. I can't remember. Um, very first chapter, I'm reading it, and it just talked about a guy that was like, he's happy all the time, Mr. Happy or something. And, and he just waves to people, and he's like, oh, he's happy. And I thought, that is so simple. And at first, I'm reading this, and I thought, wait, I know somebody just like that. And so this gentleman that reminded me of this person in this book is actually from Bryan, Ohio. And, and I see him often. Uh, a lot of you know that with FCA, I travel to a lot of schools and visit their huddles, maybe in the morning or at lunch or after school. And after school, maybe I would visit with teams. Um, and so I'm over in Bryan uh, a couple mornings to visit their huddle. And then um, I go over and talk to the girls' basketball team. And, and, and so I'm right there right after school sometimes. And as I drive by, just there's, there's a guy that's out by the end of his road. His name is Jim Tucker. And all Jim does is stand out there and wave. Just big smile, just waving. 
And I'm thinking, who is this guy, right? And I'm driving. I can't help but smile when I see him. And, and so I see him often. And then I'm, I'm reading this book. And I'm thinking, that's like the guy I see in Brian. So a week ago, I decided, you know what? I'm going to pull over and hear a story. So he was picking up his chair, getting ready to head in. And I was driving by just as he, I mean, the timing was incredible. Thank you, Lord, right? And so I pull in and, and he turns around. And I said, hey, I have a question for you. I see you out here all the time. What's going on? You know, you're always happy. And, and oh, he had a big smile on his face. And, and you know how some people can get uncomfortably close? Either one of you. Yeah. You know, like I'd have, this is how I have conversations with people. He was like wanting to tell me all about, yeah, right? That's the look he gave me. So Jim got a little, little, little close, but you know why? Because he's so happy. And he started to share with me all of what he did. And it, it started off with basically a crossing guard at Bryan School, um, got injured and was, was hurt and was not going to be able to do their job at the crossing guard. And so they asked him to do it. And so he was out there for a couple months doing it. And then the person came back, but everybody missed Jim because he was so good at what he did and greeting people. And they're like, the mayor actually, he goes, the mayor came to my house and asked me if I would come back to greet and, you know, saying hi. And so like, so I did. So there was two of them out there and he was just, and then the school moved. Um, they tore down the old school and they moved out on a different road on the outskirts of Bryan, about 50 yards away from his house right down the road. Wow, that's amazing, huh? So he just goes out the end of his house. He's retired. And he just, he told me, he goes, he goes, Rex, I feel like God's called me to this. This is the one thing I can do for God. And I had a lady come by one time and she was on her way to the hospital and she had bad news and she was ready to give up on life. And she saw me and, 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 and she couldn't help but smile. And then she came and talked to me and said, thank you for what you're doing because I needed that smile today. And he goes, I've never seen her since. She was like an angel. I think he called me an angel a couple of times, which was really different. Um, I've never had anybody call me that before. Um, but he was just excited that I wanted to stop and hear his story. And I'm telling you, sometimes I'm so caught up in my own schedule, I forget to listen. And, and I didn't realize that just simply listening to somebody and smiling is maybe something somebody wants for Christmas. It's not that difficult. That's all we got to do. Don't try to lavish people and outdo them with your gifts. How about we just smile and wave, right? And listen to people's stories. I learned a lot from Jim. Um, I, I'm looking forward to my next trip to Brian to wave at him again and honk my horn maybe. Um, maybe pull over and listen to him again. But I really enjoy listening to Jim. Such a simple thing he does. Worship team, would you come forward, please? Church, you and I have received God's love. So let's do something simple with God's love. Let's go share it with somebody. This is Christmas. Simple smile. Simple handshake. The next few people you run into, if you go out to eat, you might make or break their Christmas by the way you treat them. That waitress, that waiter. The cashier. The person that cuts in front of you and... In, in line or drive. And again, I, it's, why do we only do this at Christmas? Why don't we do this year round, right? But right now, while we have the emphasis, while we have the focus, let's take God's love and share it with the world. Would you stand, please?
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome and amazing God you are. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity again, Lord, to worship you in song, in scripture, in prayer, in truth. And God, for the truth today that we do need a Savior. We do need a Christ. We do need a Lord. And that is you. And you sent your son just like we think of those, uh, how to rescue the birds. If I could just become a bird, right? It's like, well, if I could just rescue these people. And so you became one of us to save us. God, thank you for that gift. Thank you for your love. God, help us now to take that love into this world. In thy name we pray. Amen.